One of the most common questions I get asked is which cryptocurrencies are likely to survive the next 10 years. Besides Bitcoin, Ethereum and Cardano are at the top of that list. Both projects are looking to power the future of finance with their smart contract compatible blockchains. Their teams are taking radically different paths towards this ultimate goal, however, and both projects now stand at a crossroads. Ethereum and Cardano are poised to see some serious upgrades in the coming months, and both have seen massive upticks in adoption and development recently. By the end of 2021, we will likely know which of these two projects will be the one to take the crypto crown of the smart contract king. Today, I'm going to compare and contrast two of the most significant cryptocurrencies on the market and tell you which one I think is going to come out on top. Don't you dare skip ahead. There are some disclaimers that need to be said. First, I can't give you any financial or investment advice. That's because I'm not a financial advisor. I just make educational crypto content that's nice. Second, I hold both ETH and ADA as part of my cryptocurrency portfolio, and I'm a huge fan of both in case you didn't already know. If this is your first Coin Bureau bit, my name is Guy and I think crypto's the shit. Crypto news, reviews, and more. This channel is packed with enough crypto knowledge to make your eyes sore. As they say, no pain, no gain, so subscribe to the channel and ping that notification bell to fill up your brain. I know that time comes at a cost, which is why I've left timestamps in the video timeline to save you time and make sure you don't get lost. I'd love it if you watch the whole way through, but you can skip around if it suits you better. Now, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Get focused and grab a seat, because it's time for ADA versus ETH. Did you know that Cardano and Ethereum have a shared history? Now, although Vitalik Buterin is the chief architect behind Ethereum, Ethereum was technically founded by five people, including Vitalik and Cardano founder Charles Hoskinson in December 2013. Three more people were later credited as co-founders, most notably Dr. Gavin Wood, who happens to be the founder of Polkadot, another smart contract cryptocurrency. Charles is a mathematician who dropped out of his PhD to work in cryptocurrency full-time. Vitalik is a computer scientist who dropped out of his bachelor's program for the same reason. Both chaps are incredibly intelligent, and they met in early 2013 through an online cryptocurrency school called the Bitcoin Education Project, which Charles created. Charles left Ethereum in July 2014 after a disagreement with Vitalik. Specifically, Charles wanted Ethereum to be a for-profit project with backing from venture capitalists, while Vitalik did not. Charles founded a software company called IOHK a few months later, which would go on to create the cryptocurrency blockchain now known as Cardano. Cardano is technically owned by the Cardano Foundation, a Swiss non-profit which commissions IOHK and a Japanese software company called Emergo to develop and maintain the Cardano blockchain. Similarly, Ethereum's development is coordinated by the non-profit Ethereum Foundation, which is also based in Switzerland. By contrast, the Ethereum Foundation frequently gives grants to both companies and individuals who are building valuable apps or infrastructure on Ethereum. No specific entities are commissioned. That said, a lot of Ethereum's infrastructure was built by closely affiliated software companies such as Consensus, which was founded in 2014 
by Joseph Lubin, another Ethereum co-founder. Consensus is behind popular Ethereum tools such as the MetaMask browser wallet extension and also funds various crypto media outlets like Decrypt. The biggest difference between Ethereum and Cardano is how they have approached the adoption and development of their ecosystems. Ethereum has historically been more focused on private sector use cases in developed regions like Europe and North America. Over the last few years, Ethereum has started to gain traction in Asia, where Vitalik is referred to as the, quote, V-God. Cardano's approach has been to target the developing world, specifically their governments and public institutions. Rather than push for the direct adoption of Cardano, IOHK and Imergo have been providing various African nations with permissioned infrastructure to prove the utility of Cardano's core technology. The tip of this spear is Atala Prism, a decentralized digital identity solution which Charles argues is essential for the large-scale adoption of a smart contract cryptocurrency blockchain like Cardano. In terms of development, Ethereum has more of a hands-on approach by putting practice before theory. Now this is in stark contrast to Cardano, where every component of its architecture is peer-reviewed and rigorously tested by academics prior to implementation. Ethereum's approach gave it first-mover advantage when it launched in the summer of 2015. And ETH is now the second-largest cryptocurrency, and that's because the Ethereum blockchain hosts the largest ecosystem in the crypto space, including thousands of altcoins, stablecoins, dApps, NFTs, and more. Cardano launched in the fall of 2017, and you'd be hard-pressed to list more than a couple of projects building on the Cardano blockchain at the moment. This is because Cardano is barely halfway through its roadmap and has yet to enable the same smart contract functionality that has made Ethereum so successful. Despite this fact, ADA has spent most of its lifetime in the top 10 cryptocurrencies by market cap, and the Cardano community is one of the largest in cryptocurrency. Ethereum's dominance has been dwindling as of late, and that's because its blockchain is struggling with an exponential growth in users, transactions, and decentralized applications. Ethereum 2.0 seeks to solve these issues, and its rollout happens to coincide quite nicely with Cardano's roadmap. As such, for blockchain architecture, transactions per second, and the other technical aspects of both projects, I will compare Cardano to Ethereum 2.0. Otherwise, it would be an unfair fight, because we already know that Cardano's final form would blow Ethereum out of the water as it exists today. Cardano and Ethereum 2.0 have two very different engines under the hood. The Cardano blockchain has a dual-layer architecture. The first is the settlement layer, which keeps a record of all ADA and native asset transactions. The second is the computation layer, which will run Cardano's upcoming smart contracts. Cardano uses a proof-of-stake consensus protocol called Ouroboros that makes it possible to process a few hundred transactions per second. Once the Hydra scaling solution is implemented, though, Cardano could theoretically process a mind-melting 2.5 million transactions per second, with the current amount of validator pools. Now, back to those native assets. Cardano native assets went live on the 1st of March with the Mary hard fork. In contrast to Ethereum's ERC20 tokens, Cardano native assets have the same status as the ADA coin on the Cardano blockchain and do not require smart contracts to mint or move around. 
This will help keep transaction fees low on the Cardano blockchain when the smart contracts go live. And these transaction fees can be paid using native assets thanks to the Babel fees mechanism. Ethereum 2.0 has a shard chain architecture and uses a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism colloquially referred to as Casper. In a sentence, sharding involves splitting the blockchain into multiple portions called shards. The idea is that each shard only stores and processes transactions relevant to the user wallets and decentralized applications on that shard. This allows shards to process transactions in parallel, and the initial 64 shards in Ethereum 2.0 will all connect to the beacon chain. The beacon chain coordinates staking and consensus between all the shards, and this setup will make it possible for Ethereum 2.0 to process around 100,000 transactions per second. While I wasn't able to find any definitive answers about how tokens will work on Ethereum 2.0, I assume they will function in the same way ERC-based tokens do now. As I hinted a few moments ago, minting and moving ERC-20 tokens requires creating and interacting with a smart contract, and ETH is used to pay for all the transaction fees associated with this. This can lead to a lot of network congestion, but the trade-off is that the creator of the ERC-20 token is completely out of the equation once that token smart contract goes live. Conversely, the creator of a native asset on Cardano seems to have control over the supply and transfers of the assets they mint, which can be a blessing and a curse depending on the context. This isn't too big of a deal since ERC-20 tokens can be brought over to the Cardano blockchain using the ERC-20 converter, which is actually the closest thing to a bridge between both blockchains. You can learn more about that by watching this video here, top right if you don't see it. When it comes to staking, Cardano and Ethereum 2.0 have an opposite set of terms and conditions. ADA can be staked using Cardano's 2,500 staking pools via the Daedalus and Yoroi wallets. Now, it's worth pointing out that there is no slashing on the Cardano blockchain. ADA staking rewards are currently about 4.5% per year, and any staked or delegated ADA can be withdrawn at any time, as there's no lockup or unlock period. 73% of all ADA is currently being staked, which works out to a whopping $30 billion at the time of shooting. The interesting thing about Cardano staking is that staking pool rewards diminish as they become saturated. In other words, if too much ADA is staked in a single pool, it will offer no staking rewards. This incentivizes validator nodes to create new staking pools and incentivizes delegators to join new or smaller staking pools. Even though Ethereum 2.0 isn't technically live yet, ETH staking on the Beacon Chain began last winter. Similar to Cardano, staking rewards on Ethereum 2.0 vary depending on how much ETH is being staked, and the current annual return is about 7.5%. Just under 4.1 million ETH is currently being staked, worth over $11 billion at the time of shooting. The caveat here is that all this staked ETH might be locked up for a year or more, during which time it could be slashed if the underlying validator goes offline or tries to corrupt the network. Although Cardano is technically the most decentralized cryptocurrency blockchain out there, it is possible that Ethereum 2.0 will claim this title once it goes live. This is because the most recent figure I was able to find suggests that Ethereum 2.0 now has more than 78,000 validators. More importantly, Ethereum's proof-of-stake consensus is designed 
so that it forces validators with larger stakes to also buy more hardware to process transactions. This adds another dimension of decentralization to Ethereum 2.0, which I don't think any other proof-of-stake blockchain has. Cardano and Ethereum also differ in terms of tokenomics. ADA's initial supply of 31.1 billion was pre-mined by IOHK, and just under 26 billion ADA was sold by the Cardano Foundation across five ICOs in 2015 and 2016. Nearly $80 billion worth of BTC was brought in by these sales. The remaining 5.2 billion ADA were allocated to IOHK, Emergo, and the Cardano Foundation. Out of curiosity, I tried finding the wallet addresses belonging to these three entities to see how much ADA they have now, and the answer seems to be zero. Some sources suggest that this ADA is being staked, which would make sense given that the Cardano Foundation routinely delegates ADA to smaller staking pools on Cardano. Besides having a remarkably equitable distribution, ADA also has a maximum supply of 45 billion. The inflation mechanism behind the remaining 13 billion ADA is outside the scope of this video, but the key takeaway is that ADA's effective inflation is about 7% per year. All in all, ADA scores an A plus for tokenomics. In 2014, the Ethereum Foundation pre-mined ETH's initial supply of 72 million. 60 million of that ETH was sold in a public ICO later that year for a total of about $18 million worth of BTC. The remaining 12 million ETH went to the Ethereum Foundation, which distributed 6 million of that ETH to the 85 developers who were working on Ethereum at the time. Naturally, I was curious about how much ETH Vitalik Buterin has, so I did some digging and it turns out he has around 333,000 ETH in his wallet, worth around $900 million at the time of shooting. I'll leave a link in the description if you want to check it out for yourself. As for the Ethereum Foundation, its wallet address is noted as ETHDEV on Etherscan and currently contains over 430,000 ETH worth over 1.1 billion. Don't worry, I'll leave a link to that one in the description too. ETH's distribution is also solid but slightly less equitable than ADA's distribution. ETH has no maximum supply and its inflation rate is about 4% per year. This is about the same amount of inflation ETH is expected to have in Ethereum 2.0. Although it's not clear whether the ETH fee burn introduced by EIP 1559 in the summer will carry over into Ethereum 2.0, if it does, then this could technically turn ETH into a deflationary asset. With EIP 1559, ETH gets an A++ for tokenomics. Now, if you're wondering why all this stuff is so important, be sure to watch the video about tokenomics. Use that handy link up in the top right. If you've been watching the charts, you'll know that ETH has been on a tear recently. From a macro perspective, the reason for this is because of the general flow of the crypto market. Usually, BTC is the first cryptocurrency to moon, and then that momentum gets passed on to ETH and trickles down to other altcoins. BTC is up nearly 3x from its previous all-time high, so it would not be surprising if ETH pulled a similar move in the next few months. This would bring ETH up to around $4,500, which is a realistic expectation for this bull run in my book. That would be a ground-shaking 15,000x return on investment for the lucky buggers who've been hodling since the ETH ICO back in 2014. There is a chance that ETH could go much higher because of the restrictive effects EIP 1559 fee burns would have on its supply. With the right catalysts in place, ETH could easily blow past 10k, and I'll discuss those in a moment. 
From a percentage standpoint, ADA has seen much larger gains than ETH during this bull market so far. It's up almost 40x since last spring and is up around 500x from its ICO price, which is not too shabby at all. ADA has been consolidating since it hit 150 in mid-April this year, and if the momentum of the market continues along with the drop in BTC dominance, ADA will be getting its second wind sometime soon. In terms of an all-time high, ADA is restricted by its massive supply. This gives it a much larger market cap than meets the eye, and that means it'll take more capital to push it up. If everything goes smoothly with the rollout of Cardano's smart contracts in the summer, I could see ADA spiking to $3 and possibly higher if Cardano's other partnerships work out. And speaking of which, it's about time I unpacked those. There have been so many updates for Ethereum and Cardano over the last few months that I can't possibly cover all of them here. But there are a few that must be mentioned. In January this year, Coindesk reported that Grayscale had filed for an ADA trust with the SEC. This trust has yet to materialize, but I reckon it's only a matter of time now that ADA is trading on one of the top cryptocurrency exchanges in the United States. I am, of course, talking about Coinbase, which finally listed ADA in March this year. The fact that ADA's third most traded pair is on Coinbase suggests to me that there is some serious demand for Cardano in the United States. Another update that caught my eye was a news article by Cointelegraph in early April, which talked about how developers are brute-forcing Cardano's native assets to create NFTs. This is crazy, because the mechanism to create NFTs isn't actually available on Cardano yet. More recently, IOHK announced that they had officially partnered with the Ethiopian government to create a national database of student and teacher IDs using Atala Prism. IOHK also delayed the Alonzo hard fork until August, which will finally introduce smart contracts to the Cardano blockchain. Meanwhile, Ethereum developers announced that they would be fast-tracking the docking phase of Ethereum 2.0 to the fall. Now, for those unfamiliar, the docking phase is when Ethereum 1 plugs into Ethereum 2.0 as a shard chain. This was originally scheduled to occur after the creation of the other 64 shards. Now, while the details are still up in the air, from what I was able to gather, this means that Ethereum 1 will transfer from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake as early as October this year. This means that Ethereum's current TPS bottleneck and high network fees would disappear. If that wasn't bullish enough, there are now four Ethereum ETFs trading on Canadian markets. Visa also announced that it will be testing payment settlements in USDC on the Ethereum blockchain. Just the other day, the European Investment Bank issued two-year bonds on the Ethereum blockchain, which could foreshadow some serious public sector adoption. Even with the sluggish and expensive performance of Ethereum's current incarnation, Metamask has seen a 5x increase in users since last October. All this just barely scratches the surface of what Cardano and Ethereum have been up to. If you want a more in-depth look at their recent developments, I'll leave links to my recent videos about them in the description. This seems to be the last stretch for Ethereum and Cardano in this bull market, and both projects are neck and neck. Now, I'll give it to you straight. I think Ethereum might be the winner in this race. I agree with Charles Hoskinson that the first mover advantage isn't everything, but at this point in time, there's no catching up to Ethereum. The outcome looks a lot different on a longer time frame, however. Cardano is built to be sustainable, and sustainability 
is admittedly a pretty foreign concept to Ethereum. As successful as Ethereum has been so far, there's no question that it's been riding a bumpy road. Rushing an upgrade to proof-of-stake is the last thing a quarter-trillion-dollar blockchain should be doing. It could bump millions of users off the ride. Still, there's no denying that Ethereum's approach has paid off so far, and it's becoming extremely popular with institutional investors as both an investment vehicle and a secure utility network. It would not surprise me if an Ethereum ETF gets approved before a Bitcoin ETF for these reasons. Cardano has opted to play the long game and effectively skipped the entire proof-of-work phase as part of this strategy. The fruits from all those years of research and development work are becoming ripe and are almost ready for picking. As much as Cardano's rollout has been delayed, it has created a degree of consumer confidence that you simply don't get with make-and-break cryptocurrency blockchains like Ethereum. The significance of IOHK's partnership with the Ethiopian government really cannot be understated. Even though it might not mean much for Cardano today, it means everything for Cardano's adoption tomorrow. It's one thing to woo a corporate giant like Visa, but convincing a government to use your technology as part of its infrastructure is on a whole other level. If this keeps up, I think that what Ethereum looks like today is what Cardano will look like in five years, except it'll be used by regular people and not DeFi DGENs and VC projects looking to turn a quick buck. Even though Ethereum has the edge for the foreseeable future and Cardano might eventually come out on top, there is no one cryptocurrency blockchain that will rule them all. That's why I'm hodling ETH and ADA. Now I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about Ethereum and Cardano? Did I miss something in my analysis? Let me know, and while you're working your way down to the comments section, be sure to hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're a sucker for shitposting, you'd better follow me on Twitter. Instagram is where you can ask me questions, and TikTok is where you can peek behind the big screen at the Bureau. My Telegram channel is your go-to source for daily crypto updates, and if you see anyone promising to help you trade, please report them because they're fake. You can find your way to my official socials using the links in the video description, which is also where you'll find my weekly newsletter. It has everything you need to help you succeed in this bull market. Oh, and one more thing. You can snag some sick swag from the Coin Bureau merch store and support the channel. That's down there too. All right, my friends, you know how it is. Guy's got to go, and if you're still here, thank you. See you soon. 